0: Okay, now it's recording. Alrighty, well, yeah, it's good to see you. Do you have anything you'd like to share, um, or anything before we answer the questions?
1: Uh, I think we just go to the questions today.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Kishore.
2: Thank you very much, Pranams. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so, for school, I'm. Um, writing a paper on the Chaitanya Charitamrita, um, I'm looking at moments in the text that certain figures um, either decide or decide not to share um, their darshan of Krishna or his associates. Um, So like Krishna's Kaviraj sharing in the beginning Um, when Nityananda Prabhu came to him in a dream or when Madhavendra Puri, it's not exactly his darshan, but when he decides to leave town in the middle of the night when Gopi not steals sweet rice for him. Um, And so I guess I'm kind of trying to explore, it seems like these moments um, in the text bring light to some inner conflict in the devotee, to want to both share and glorify Krishna's mercy in that specific way, but also not want to bring attention to oneself. And it seems like those two are kind of naturally entwined um, through sharing such moments. Um, I was also thinking about in connection to the third verse of come to always glorify Krishna. Um, but also Amani to not bring attention to oneself. And um, so I guess I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about like the relationship between those two desires and um, if the desire to glorify Krishna is ultimately kind of more powerful than the desire to, I mean, it, it may be the wrong way to talk about it, to like not, Because it's not glorifying oneself, but like to now want to bring attention to oneself um, through that. um, I'm not sure if that's making any sense.
1: Yeah, I think that the uh, natural reaction of a devotee who has um, an epiphany like that, Darshan, is uh, to uh, feel. Um overwhelmingly that uh Krishna has bestowed his his grace his mercy um, rather than to think that that it is a result of their their effort and and given that um that sensibility, then there is a sense of also that uh, what I'm receiving is is beyond what I am owed so to speak or you know I put in this much time I get this much back um, uh, and um so that's very humbling and uh almost uh embarrassing when I first uh had uh the extraordinary grace of Jagannath Swami in, in Los Angeles when he spoke to me and danced on the altar. I was uh, visiting him during the late evening Arctic that no one else attended usually at that time. And um, my just natural reaction was to, after the experience was over and I was weeping to, I went and I hid in a van in the parking lot. Um, And uh, so in my own experience, that is the natural kind of reaction, feeling overwhelmingly uh, um, grateful, Undeserving, but, but the extraordinary um, merciful nature of Bhagavan being what it is, um, uh, I've become uh, fortunate. And so that I'm not worthy of it, but he, he's the way he is. Hmm. Uh, and so he, he does these kind of things, shares himself. In this way, and I'm the fortunate uh, recipient, and so it's it's kind of uh, it's humbling. It's kind of embarrassing, in a sense. Uh, you might think that others are are more, are more worthy. How did the, why did this happen to me? That's just his nature, um, and so forth. So, I think we we see that um, in some of the examples that you cite, and repeatedly. There are other examples where we see something similar recorded in the, in the sacred texts <clears throat> um, then at the same time, there may be value in 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 bringing that out in speaking about that um um value in terms of um, for example sharing with other people the fact that Bhagawan is like this, he does these things, and so that possibility exists uh for for you as well. Um so because um there may be instances in which speaking about that serves as an opportunity to further glorify him, to praise him. And this is certainly the way Krishna Dasgaviraj Goswami explains his own um, sharing of his extraordinary uh, darshan um, of uh, Nityananda Prabhu um, uh, with the public. He says that it's confidential. I, I really shouldn't speak about it, but if I don't, then people won't know the extent of the amount of grace, and therefore, I'm going to speak about it. So he does, and it's it's a very special um, section, obviously, of Chaitanya charitamrita um, where he's revealing his heart uh, to the readers. So, again, uh, it's, uh, one doesn't want to bring attention to oneself, but sometimes it is um, in the service of one. it is meaningful to and called for uh, for one to bring attention to oneself. Um, um, the um, idea of the renounced order uh, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism that was conceived of by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakko, that, that prior to that had, had not been um, something that, that had been established or um, that others had taken up. Um, but make an official order, dress them in a certain way, that they would stand out in the eyes of the public and so forth, in in saffron dress and so forth, um, was uh, obviously uh, designed to bring attention to certain devotees. But the idea there, of course, was that in doing so it would bring attention to Bhagavan because they were living only him, he called them living drums Jivanta Murdanga he had his Brihat Murdanga, the books the big drum and the living drum were the, were the sannyasis um, so it's a similar idea, the point being that there are instances in which drawing attention to oneself is what best um, in that moment um, achieves the purpose of bringing attention to Bhagwan, sometimes the Guru has to say, "Yes, follow me. Uh, I know you bring attention to himself or herself." So the the apparent uh, conflict is resolved in the fact that um, the bringing of attention to oneself is done all in the spirit of of service and for the sake of heralding the glories of Bhagavan, sharing them with others. So, those are my thoughts. for help?
2: Yeah, thank you. Just um, a follow-up. So would you say that, like, ultimately the desire to share is out of compassion and also out of service to and to glorify Krishna and kind of that compassion and glorification of Krishna can't be separated? Is that somewhat what you're saying?
1: Well, Vaishnavas are said to be oceans of compassion. Um, and I think that, uh, yes, that they are, Absorption in Krishna consciousness, for example, the Goswami's writing of books um, is something for their own absorption. It's very transcendentally uh, pleasurable, 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 uh, uh, blissful, and um, nourishing, and at the same time, it's a overflow that nourishes others. I mean, compassion is really, um, properly understood, an overflow. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the two are kind of inseparable. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank
2: you very much.
0: So, um, Tadas, are you ready to ask your question?
3: Hare Krishna. Hare uh, Uh, I will read my question. Um, So um, I have met a devotee, um, not last week, but the week before. Um, And um, he's practicing Bhakti since 1993. So we had a nice conversation for maybe two hours. And um, it felt like this hour meeting was like some kind of culmination of digesting information collected for the last couple months for me. And he said one interesting thing um, that I would like to check with you. Um, uh, he said that I am enthusiastic about my practice because it is still in the beginning stage. He gave a, a comparison of airplane the time in airplane, which is still taking off. So everything is vibrating and intense. And he himself said that he uh, has already took off and is flying over the ocean and not much happening there. Uh, So his destination is still far away, invisible, and he cannot get out because under the airplane is ocean. So he must be patient and wait till the flight reaches the destination. Um, I have heard a couple times that Bhakti is exciting and excitement is growing and growing, but he sounded like um, kind of depressed and lonely, even though that he's practicing for over 30 years or something like that so is is that state uh, of mentioned devotee is, is, it is normal on the path of bhakti? Could you please tell more about it and uh, well actually, I do not want to get in such a mood or state uh, as he is, so how to avoid it and how to keep enthusiasm for decades? Thank you.
1: Yes, uh, it sounds um, like he's rationalizing his lack of enthusiasm, um, and that's unfortunate because Utsahan, enthusiasm, is um, important for bhakti, and it's very clearly described in Bhakti Rasimha Sindhu that one cannot attain bhava without practice that is... Um, intense or uh, engaged in with attachment, uh, which means paying attention with feeling, um, giving of one's heart um, and so forth, rather than mechanically going through the motions. Um, that uh, kind of practice will never never bring bhava. So, how to get that enthusiasm. Yes, in the beginning, one may be enthusiastic because everything is new and um, it's consuming for the senses and the mind. Um, But the mind, by its nature, um, tends to take the life out of things. um, And... um, I mean, what I mean by that is trying to capture thump something and make it part of it itself, or subordinate to itself, or intelligence does, um, and so um, that possibility is there in relation uh, to to bhakti, and um, one has to be. Um, Careful about that, and and I think that one of the ways to best uh, keep one's enthusiasm and a kind of a, a feeling of newness and that I don't know everything already, there's more to be learned um, uh, is by having good association. So without good association with advanced devotees our understanding can be challenged where we can hear things that we thought we knew that we realized we didn't understand them, we get a deeper understanding of them uh, consistently. Then we, we remain kind of on the edge of our seats, so to speak, what, what's coming next? What's you going to talk about that? Like, what's she going to say next and so forth. And then we, you know, dive into our practice with that kind of enthusiasm wait for the next class, so to speak, or turn the next page, um, or uh, as may be the case in terms of how we're deriving association, um, it can be uh, obviously through personal association, through discussions like this, uh, through texts, through books. Um, A lot of times um, people get stuck in institutions where Ideas like everything's already been said, there's nothing more to be said, Prabhupada's books, everything's there, I read them, what next? Um, they were able to read them in a certain point, and a certain, to a certain extent, They that reading fostered practice and so forth. But then hearing the same things without being able themselves to dig deeper into the implications of them, or without following the lead of the books themselves, um, uh, offer us by reference to other texts, and uh, and so forth, and, and going there, and um, entering really more deeply into the body of the Gaudi literature, which is ex- extensive. This is another way of associating with Rupa Goswami, Sanat Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Vishnu Tirtha Bhakti and so forth. There's a lot there, um, and so that's another way. Of associating to some extent, it depends on your adhikar, your eligibility, how well you can associate with those persons through reading, but but at least um, um, by kind of following the lead or the you know, the, the arrow in Prabhupada's books here or there, if you want to find more about this or if this is, comes from there, and trying to go there, uh, I think that that is a, another way to avoid what um, devotees in some institutions suffer from the way in which they suffer from the, the the problem that you're describing kind of an automatic uh uh mind maybe even going somewhere else rather than what one's doing but doing it because it's supposed to be done um so we find ourselves in that situation. We need to wake up and and realize we, we're not going to make progress um, tangibly by that. Um, so, therefore, Rupa Goswami has cited enthusiasm in practice as something that is favorable to bhakti, that that brings progress and so forth. And as I say, without bhakti engaged in with attachment, one can't attain Baba. So one has to think about, you know, it's yoga, so one has to use one's mind. What am I doing? Why am I doing? Why, how am I doing? Um, uh, and the more that you can capture, harness the mind and focus it on the practices and so forth, obviously the more that you're going to get, to get from them. And that's what the scripture in Saddam is supposed to help us do, kind of like corner us and, help us focus our mind and so forth. Um, but without much of that, then it's, 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 it's much more difficult. And then based on what association one who has had, that has fostered practice and given some experience, one kind of goes on um, better than nothing and so forth. But, but um, it's not a stage that one's supposed to go through. Um, you're supposed to go from <laughs> will you, you ask yourself now will your enthusiasm be lacking if you go from anishta to nishta, unsteady practice to steady practice? If you're if you go from steady practice, consistent practice to taste ruchi, are you going to be losing enthusiasm? If you go from ruchi to asakti, are you going to be losing enthusiasm? No. The only way that you're going to lose enthusiasm is if you don't go from anishta to nishta. Hmm? So how to get out to anishta Bhajanakriya, unsteady, where the mind is somewhere else. Hmm? And, you know, you're going through the practice with, uh, through, through through the motions, so to speak. Hmm? Well, again, uh, the most uh, fruitful and uh, powerful and effective in the immediate to overcome that is to associate with people who have that kind of steadiness and conviction and the understanding that comes with it. It's not just a consistent going through the rote, you know, practices and so forth and memorization, but, um, steadiness is fueled by deeper and deeper understanding of the implications of the sacred texts, what, what, what they mean, how they apply in different circumstances and so on and so forth. Um, um, So from that kind of association, association with Ruchi Bhaktas and so forth, then um, that is the most powerful way to um, avoid that kind of syndrome. And, uh yeah you know, and unfortunately the you know the the, the uh, Prabhupada's official movement of, of iscon suffers a little bit from that uh potential by by way of isolation um insular thinking uh restricting oneself to Prabhupada's books with the book which the books themselves don't tell you not tell you not to do if you read them properly um and um so it's, a, it's an example that we can unfortunately it's a, a negative one, but we can we can learn from that to uh, avoid that uh, and again Sadhu Sangha. Sadasangha doesn't mean that people just come and spat you on the back and tell you everything's good and you and Prophet said everything, but they, they challenge what you say and then they may say, even Prabhupada said that, but I say this, and this is why and and He said that over there. That doesn't apply to now. Oh, you know, that kind of thing, which makes your hair stand on end out of fear. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. First, something like that. And then you have to get busy, and then you perspire, at least before weeping. So so anyway, it's not a stage to go through. It's an unfortunate uh, situation that's probably mostly based on lack of uh, consistent association with advanced devotees.
3: What yeah, else? Thank you. I I thought like that. I just wanted to hear your confirmation about that.
1: Okay, good.
0: Yeah I really appreciated that question and the answer. Um so Gordon ryan Hi question good, uh,
1: I just had a Sure question, about I was just curious if you ever planned to write a commentary on Bhagavatam, and if you did, what sort of angle would you take with it? What kind of angle? <laughs> That's a, certainly a long and tedious uh, undertaking, to say the least. Um, and I don't think I would have the time to do that, but um, I have thought of writing a commentary or doing like a Krishna book on the 10th Canto and the, you know, the Lila before Krishna leaves for uh, Mathura, stopping there or just into Matura and, and he sends his friends back, something like that. Um, and I think that uh, would be, would be useful. And I have done that, you know, to some extent in, in, my forthcoming book. Um, and of course, the angle I've taken there is to look at it from the vantage point of fraternal love. Um, so that would be something to do, I've thought, with and the entirety of the, the, the chapters that constitute the the, the, the Lila in, in Braj. You know, I've, I've selected out about, I don't know, 10 or 12 or... Fifteen, uh, I don't know, chapters, something like that. Um, so there's quite a few more. And that would be uh, useful, you know, from a uh, um, from the point of view of a feeling and a, and an extension of the contribution to the community that I'm making with the, with the book that I'm writing. Um, um, Otherwise, um, I, I, my mind goes to the idea that, well, the Bhagavatam is a very, you know, big book, and it's in, 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 in the Sanskrit language, and it was written a long, long time ago in different cultural setting and circumstances and so on and so forth. So in order to make it applicable, feel, it is applicable, but make it feel applicable to, in our times um, it would be useful to um, write about it mm, um, in our times and extract the the essence of it. Point out what is relative, what is what is essential, what's the packet, the Pironic packaging, and what's the message. That in itself would be a huge task, but it would be very useful. Um, i think the community of devotees would be very uh, encouraged and empowered you know by having that kind of addition or an extended essay on the bhagavatam you know uh where you, you know you go go through it i have an idea to write uh, 18 chapters an essay on each chapter of the gita in a similar way Trying to talk about it from modern in terms of our times and bring out what's ex- essential and, and so forth. Um, so, let me try that with the Gita before I try with the Bhagavata. But that would be how I would, I, I think I could, uh, you know, um, add something, if you will. Um, that type of a, wouldn't be like a word for word commentary on every verse, but a, but an essay on, maybe an essay on each canto, something like that, and then, you know, in the context of your essay, certain verses are cited as essential, as important, and, and so forth. I think that would be, you know, now I'm getting the idea further. Thank you. Uh, an essay on each canto, so 12, 12 chapters. Mm-hmm. That, that would be very, that might be even better than, than than the Gita, which has been, you know, commented on in so many ways, um by so many persons and uh which I've written a commentary on it as well. So um and of course I you know you, you would take the Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam vantage point, you know, which is obviously what what the Bhagavatam is about. And in in many of the, the the supplementary books of the Goswamis on the Bhagavad philosophy, you know, are emphasizing that that point. That would be, you know, the tatva point. And, um, anyway, so yeah, it's an interesting idea. Thanks for bringing it up. An essay on each each canto, 12 chapters. It would be, be, be something you'd feel really comfortable, the way I'm thinking, of, giving it to someone who's a little, little educated and spiritually inclined. Mm-hmm.
4: Okay? Yeah. That would be really nice because I know I've struggled when reading the
1: Bhagavatam, just separating the relative and absolute and, Same. and reading all the other, all our other texts, they always emphasize the importance of the Bhagavatam. So it's like, I would like to read it, but it's, it's just hard to read. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, long, you know, almost 18,000 verses. It's long. It's, and you know, it's not in your own, your own language and analogies are from a different culture and it's packaged in a Puranic you know, type of a uh, uh, genre and setting and the way the world was looked at then, the external world and, and so forth. So it's it, it's, uh, it's it, the kind of book I'm talking about is is something that um, uh, would be very useful. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll try it, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> seems like, um, yeah, I like that idea. And it seems like some of the devotees in the, um, chat also really liked that idea.
1: I think the same thing and I'm writing and I'm, you know, I'm referring to the Bhagavatam. And I think some new person reads it. They're going to go get the Bhagavatam. And, you know, it's like mm. English is like 30 volumes or something like that. Where do you begin? You know, it's, 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 it's very, very difficult, but a really good and thorough essay on each canto. I think that, but was giving some talks at the request of, um, Sakirati and Shamananda in Madhuvan on, on different cantos. I haven't listened to those, but maybe that's sufficient. But um, uh,
4: no, 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 it's not enough, Guru Maharaj, and I have not given lectures on each canto, just some comments on the first canto they asked, but not more than that. So, and even if I would have done, it would never be enough. So please continue with your project.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it's good what you're doing, but. That, yeah, that, that, that's a good idea. Very good idea. All right, what else?
0: So Sharada put a question that she wanted me to ask. Um, so her question is, I accidentally came across an article called The Cause of Devotion in Godia Vaishnav Theology as a, result of, as a result of spontaneously meeting a devotee. Any comments on this type of article? It seems like dry speculation and gyan yoga Rather than bhakti yoga.
1: And it was called the cause of devotion in bhakti?
0: Yeah, it's called the cause of devotion in Gaudiya Vaishnav theology as a result of spontaneously meeting a devotee.
1: Well, um, I think that, uh, and I haven't read the article, but from what it sounds like, it sounds like what the article is saying is that bhakti arises in ourselves through the medium of association with devotees. And it sounds like it's sorting out where bhakti comes from. Bhakti might one might think for example that bhakti is inherent in myself, but find out actually it's not, but it's a it's a it's a it's a gift. And it comes through Sarasanga, which is itself an Anga of Bhakti. So Bhakti gives Bhakti. Um, and um, this uh, is a, a subject that's been dealt with um, pretty comprehensively by Bhishma Chakravita Thakur at the, at the introduction to his book called Madhuri Kadambani. And I would imagine that the author of the article that you're speaking of must have cited him. Recently, Padmanabha Maharaj has also been written a series of articles that have been published on The Harmonist about the nature of um, bhakti in terms of it not being inherent in the atma of the jiva, but being uh, a gift from Bhagavan through the medium of sadhu sangha. But I think that um, it's important... Uh, to get to the heart of your question, uh, to understand that while bhakti is a heart um, exercise, and we advocate bhakti over gyan mm, as a comprehensive means to bring about a solution to the problem of material existence and more, mm, um, there is also um, a lot of knowledge that underlies bhakti. Mm-hmm. So it's, to use a, my term, it's, it's, a, it's a form of very wise love. So we have love that's not wise. Mm-hmm. It's not well thought out. And, and with the help of good association, scriptures and theology and so forth, um, sorting out what I am what I'm not, what's out there, and who's asking the question? What's the what's the Maya Shakti? What's the Jiva Shakti? Now, uh, Maya Tattva, Jiva Tattva, what is Bhakti Tattva? So these Tattvas, uh, Vaishnav Tattva, Guru Tattva, these are all knowledge, constitute knowledge that underlies aspects of Bhakti. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there are scholarly um, Articles and uh, uh, theological, you know, heady explanations of the the knowledge we call sambandgyan, mm, knowledge that, that that will help to foster a relationship with Bhagavan or knowledge of how things are connected, mm, mm. Uh, and we say everything is. Brahman, there's a saying, I think it's Shankar's, Kalo, what is it? Sarvam, Sarvam Kalo
3: Vidam Brahma.
1: Sarvam Kalo Vidam Brahma. Everything is brahma. Brahman. Brahman. Uh, that's a famous Mayavadi saying. So, Puja she should say, yes, everything is Brahman. So everything is there, and they're all Brahman. <laughs> so all the things are there. It's not just one thing. Everything is there. And all those things are aspects of Brahman. So Brahman has innumerable shaktis. Mm -hmm. How do they function? How do they relate with one another? And so forth. So all this, again, is sambandagyan. So there's a lot of knowledge underlying bhakti. Therefore, sometimes, and we shouldn't necessarily shy away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, And think, oh, that's just some intellectual exercise. That's just gyan. That's not bhakti. Mm -hmm. Um, then we may err on the side of just being um, sentimental and so forth. Um, so it's, it's good to have a little knowledge. Uh, again, I haven't seen the article. I hope it's saying what, I, what it sounds like it's saying from the title. Who's the author?
2: Um, uh, it's Jonathan Adelman, University of Florida, and it's the American Oriental Society And he talks about how Jiva Gosvami and Vishwanath Chakra discuss um, the cause of Bhakti in the non-devotee, in the non-devoted. The cause is a um, a meeting with a devotee and talks about sadhusanga. And this Bhakti makes the devotee feel compassion towards the non-devoted, which leads him or her to provide sadhusanga, which then creates conviction which eventually leads back to Bhakti. that's in the abstract um
4: Guru I, I just
2: thought i'd ask you about that mm.
4: just, just for you to know this author jonathan elman is a student of satya and that poverty
1: yeah i'm familiar okay. with it you know uh, yeah. about biology and uh and what so he won some award for it. i read it many years ago so some years ago yeah, so he's uh, he's well educated uh, person, and um, what he's saying in the article is is correct. Send me a copy of the article if you if you have if you can. I, yeah. I emailed it to you. I will. I will. Okay.
2: Oh, you can. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you. So again, my point is there is knowledge that underlies bhakti, hmm? and so so sometimes some explanations of bhakti will be a little heady. That doesn't mean the devotee is Deviating and becoming a galley. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. What else?
0: Hare Krishna. <laughs> so, um, does anyone have any questions? There are some backup questions, but does anyone have any questions before we move on to those? I'll take that as a no. Um, so, Hare Krishna. Oh, okay. Very
3: Hare
4: Krishna Maharaj, Hare will to all devotees. Um, uh, Maharaj, my uh, questions is that uh, so you mean to say we should even if the philosopher know the bhakti movement, uh, he's even if he's a great uh, scholar in uh, you know writing, know the scriptures and know the, uh, uh in Sanskrit high school. Even if, but he does not. Uh, uh devotee, so we and he suppose he writes some books about bhakti movement and everything should we go uh, and started reading books, or we should always follow the the goswami uh, uh, philosopher's books
1: <clears throat> so you're asking if someone's not a devotee, but they're a scholar and they're writing about
4: yeah yes um. Should even in their uh, writings uh, style is very fascinating. Very, uh, you know, they have very much uh, putting a lot of uh, good words. You know, playing with the words. You know, their own uh, something uh, prop puppet. Uh, so what what we think about? Uh, we should think.
1: Um, well, it's a general question, and um, um, I think that obviously it is more valuable and helpful to hear from or read the books of devotees. Mm -hmm. Um, The works, for example, the Goswamis are very scholarly in their own time, in terms of scholarly standards in their own time, they were uh, exemplary and um, they, you know, very Example of that is that they wrote about Gaudiya Vaishnav theology in Sanskrit, which is the intellectual language of the time, uh, rather than in 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 Bengali. Um, So they were very scholarly, and and of course they were examples of devotion at the same time. Um, um, That said, they wrote a long time ago, and their texts have inspired. Um, really, through our party bar coming from Bhakti Vinod and the work of my Maharaj, lots of people in the world to develop interest in Godia Vaishnavism. So, then there are persons who are less spiritually advanced than the Goswamis that are also writing about Bhakti, mm-hmm. and um, um, they may be devotees, um, but that certainly may be useful. And then there are those who are not devoted, who are academics, who find it as an interesting topic. They have a little, their interest in it is, it um, doesn't go in vain, I would say, um, even though they, they kind of objectify it and analyze it and, uh, you know, write about it academically. Uh, they still have some interest in, in, in the subject. Um, but um, it's not going to be as useful to us as um, hearing from the texts written by devotees. Um, should you go and read them? It, it depends. P- perhaps there's something you can, if you have the ability to read through, if you know the if you know the philosophy well enough, then you can read them and find things. It makes an interesting point here. Here he doesn't. I don't accept what he says here. I, I what he says there is he got, he got that part of the philosophy wrong um, this part over here is good oh he makes a good analogy in terms of the modern world here uh, he looked at this verse in an interesting way it corresponds with it brings out what the Goswamis are saying So, if you have enough knowledge understanding of the theology then like myself I mean I read anything that I find that that's about Krishna or Bhakti or Gaudi or Vaishnavism I may only read a couple of pages and say oh this is Guy doesn't know what he's talking about, or I may read the introduction, read the conclusion, and see if there's anything worth worth uh, going. F- if it's worth going further, um, so sometimes I find something useful. And if anybody's thinking about Krishna, trying to understand what the Goswamis are saying, um, they may get some some light, and and so. Um, it may be useful to take advantage of that, mm-hmm. um, but if one isn't well enough studied in the in the, the texts that have been given to you by the acharyas and so forth, then it's probably better to spend your time studying those books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, depends who you are. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You could take gold, they say, from a filthy place. Then you know, makes sense, right? Yes, yes. Would be uh, garbage to find the gold. Then you know, um, it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag. You know, um, there. Um, some of it can be irritating. Some of it can be interesting. Mm, some of it can be be thoughtful, even helpful. Mm. Okay. Where, you. Are you? where are you now? Where are you?
4: Kothai? Krishna. Where are you? Uh, uh, Maharaja, I'm in uh, Ireland.
1: Yeah, I thought you were in India. It looks pretty cold where you are. I thought, well, you must not be in India.
4: No, no, no. It's uh, I'm in Ireland. I'm doing my master here. So I okay. came,
1: yeah. Oh, well, then you might have to read some of those books. Yes.
4: Yes, yes. Yeah, thank you. Maharaj, I have one, another question which I have, you know, last week I should ask, but I, I don't have. Okay. So my uh, second question is that uh, if uh, someone has uh, meditated upon the Brahman and then when he go to Brahman, so is it like he destroy his soul in the Brahman? He try to destroy his soul? No, you can't
1: destroy that. How can you destroy a soul?
4: Hmm? So then what will happen on, after if, the Brahman?
1: There is an Atma.
4: Yeah.
1: Which there is, unless you listen to Shankar. Mm-hmm. Shankar thinks the Atma is an, is an illusion and there's only Brahman. Um, yes. But I think that a more faithful understanding of the sacred text is that there is an Atma that has a likeness to Brahman.
4: Yeah.
1: And likeness is such that it facilitates merging with Brahman, which... In Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we call it Sayuja Mukti, which mm-hmm. Bob points out there are different types of Mukti. So this is one type of Mukti, hmm? mm-hmm. Sayuja. And um, that Sayuja is uh, merging with Brahman, but it doesn't... Let me give you an example. Now you are merged with the Maya Shakti.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it doesn't mean that you don't exist but you are fully identified, well, not you, but I mean a materialistic person is fully identified with the Maya Shakti. Hmm? And the Gita says, he he thinks that she's doing things that are actually being carried out by the Maya Shakti. Hmm? So he's merged with Maya Shakti, but he doesn't mean he becomes Maya Shakti, or that his soul, his Atma, the Atma itself disappears. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you go to Vaikuntha, you'll be merged with the Mm Surup-Shakti and you'll function entirely under the influence of the Mm Surup-Shakti. That's the nature of Mm Tatasta. It can reside in one section or another section. It can merge with the Maya-Shakti, it can merge with the Mm Surup-Shakti. When we merge with the Maya Shakti, we don't when we merge with the Maya Shakti, we don't think I'm an Atma. Therefore, you go tell somebody you're not the body, they say, What are you talking about? You're crazy. I am this body. That means they're merged with the Maya Shakti. They're still an Atma, they don't know it. When we merge with the Sarup Shakti, you're still tatasta Shakti, but you don't know it. You're functioning like the Sarup Shakti, like Subha, like Shridham like Lalita Vishaka Rupa Manjari Nanda Yashoda, just like them, exactly like them,
3: hmm?
1: no different whatsoever. But you're still the hmm? But now you're merged with the Swarup Shakti. So similarly, you can merge with Brahman. But hmm? well, there anything, there's nothing going on in Brahman. There's, there's, there's no sense of any individuality there. You merge with Brahman, and Brahman doesn't think, "Watch me." Watch me dance.
3: He's not
1: moving around. Bhagwan, the absolute in the form of Brahman is still. So when you merge with the, with 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 Brahman, you become still. Any sense of individuality, differentiation is gone. It is compared to taking a deep and long sleep. Sometimes. It feels good to go to sleep. You're very tired and you just lay down and you just go to sleep and it's it feels good. When you wake up you say, oh, I slept so good. Oh, so well, so deep, I'm rested. So you remember, you can't remember something that you didn't experience. So you were experiencing even in deep sleep when the mind was not dreaming. Body was not active in doing anything, and what was the nature of the experience? It was just still, just restful. Mm-hmm. I didn't experience any other, or even myself as an individual. Individual just restfulness. So it's something like that. But the still, the Atma is still there.
4: Mm-hmm. And Paras uh, then. How the Atma will even come, come back again, you know, in Tathasta Sakti, even if he, he's in, into Brahman, he float in Brahman, is it like he again, when the pralaya happens, then it will be, uh, how it will be, he come out from this uh, horrible place? <laughs> it's not horrible. <laughs> it's a form of mukti. Mm-hmm. So
1: how will he come out? Yeah, good question. He can't. He can't come out of Brahman. That's a form of mukti. There's no leaving there. There's no going out unless Krishna takes you out. That's possible, but just theoretically. If you want to attain that type of mukti, you attain that type of mukti because you want to attain that mu- type of mukti. Mukshatva. This is cultivating the desire for that type of mukti. It's so strong that desire. It has to be that desire has to be stronger then all material desires put together, hmm? it has to outweigh all material desires. So that longing for has to become so intense for mukti to attain that brahmasamujja. There's no return from there. That's a form of mukti. So once you go beyond the realm of karma, there's no coming back. Now, purly, that's another thing. That's susupti. Susupti is similar to Brahman, but not the same. The difference between Susupti and entering into the sleep of Vishnu,
4: yes.
1: Susupti means deep sleep. The difference between that and Brahman is that, in one sense, Susupti is temporary. Mm-hmm. So Vish- and, and what happens is that the karma that that you have, is suspended and you go into susupti. So it's like entering into Brahman. Mm -hmm. But because the karma has only been suspended and it will again become animated, mm -hmm, then it again comes to arrest us until we extinguish the karma and then we enter into Brahman never to return. Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. it's possible... It's possible to enter into what we call Jivan mukti in this body to attain Brahman, and your karma is not finished, but it's just playing itself out and you're not perpetuating and not plugging yourself into it. Mm-hmm. From there, you can fall down. Mm-hmm. Once the body passes, the karma's over and you've attained your goal in mukti, there's no falling down from there. Mm-hmm. Susupti, that's different. That's coming again and again, again, going in and out of Susupti.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Sushupti, it means deep sleep. Like I say, deep sleep is similar to Brahman, the experience of Brahman. If we're going to draw from our own experience what Brahman is like, it's something like that. So there's no awareness, so to speak, that I'm an individual. It's just awareness that I'm in a rest, that that rest, not even I am resting. restful. When you wake up, you might say I rested, but in the experience itself at the time, it's just restfulness. End of karma. That's that's what's driving the whole thing, right? Yes. <laughs> busy working. It's, you're getting pretty tired of it all. Then enter into Brahman, end it all, rest. How long will that rest be? Well, how long is your how long is your material condition been forever? Hmm. To end something, you running around forever. How long will you rest for? Forever. Forever and ever, unless Krishna wakes you up from there. Takes to his Leela. That's another kind of movement now. That's not the karmic movement. That's Leela. Does
4: that help? Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Okay.
1: Anything else?
0: Um, Yeah. Lalita Saki has a question. Hare Krishna. Can you hear me?
5: Yes. Good morning. Okay. Maharaj, Guru Maharaj. Yeah, um, I'm reading Vrindavan Das Thakur's Chaitanya Bhagavad. And I read this bit a while ago, so I hope you get the details right. Um, But I've been thinking about this question. Um, When when, um, Lord Chaitanya's brother takes sannyas, right? When he's a child, uh, when Lord Chaitanya is a child, And then, so Jagannath Mishra keeps Vishwambar at home. And then eventually, because he doesn't want him to become educated and go off and take sannyas. So then eventually Jagannath Mishra's friends influence him and to change his mind and to send him back for his education. So they do the sacred thread ceremony and then Vrindavan Das Thakur, in that sacred thread ceremony of, of Vishwambar, um, all the neighbors, he goes house to house, and all the neighbors give alms and give gifts. And then Vrindavan uh, Das Thakur draws the parallel to um, uh, Lord Vamana, and when everyone gave him alms, and I was thinking that, because as I was reading, I was thinking, oh, this is this is similar to Krishna uh, when Nandamara and Yashoda didn't want him to become a cowherd; they wanted to keep him at home, and then he would. They were influenced, and then Krishna had his. Uh, uh, the Gopastami ceremony. And it was similar in that he went to all the neighbors and they all gave gifts and things. So I was just wondering about, um, is that a parallel? And and I guess I was just wondering if you have any comment on on that, how Vishwanath, how Vrindavan Das Thakur, um, parallels Dave's the beautiful pastime of Dave receiving all the alms like that
1: well I I don't have much to say about that um, um, obviously the tendency would be to find parallels with Krishna Leela mm. but that's that's what perked your curiosity mm. uh, and because in this instance, he's making a parallel with another avatar. But there are many things that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did that devotees have drawn parallels with other avatars, which is a way of also saying that all the avatars are um, within him. So um, it's it's not unprecedented um, whether or not that's actually a valid... um, Parallel, I, I mean, why not? I mean, it's not contrary to. Siddhanta, There are similarities in that War uh, Krishna is accepting the the uh, ritual and the rite of becoming a Brahmana uh, by way of initiation in the varna ashram, mm-hmm. and uh, Gopa Krishna of Braj uh, is getting initiated in terms of his dharma. So that, you know, there is a parallel there. The, the Brahman's dharma is one thing and the, the, the coward's dharma is another, although coward may also get the sacred thread and Krishna got the sacred thread in Mathura and so on and so forth. Um, uh, but even there he's looked at more as a, as a chatriya. But at any rate, yeah, there's a why not? There's a parallel there in, in that sense. As a gopa, his main real initiation into his dharma is the gopas to me to become a cowherd, and for Chaitanya and as a Brahmin, to receive the sacred thread and get an education. So yeah, I think it's good. Um, I think Krishna Vrindavan would be happy to hear your insight. So, okay.
3: yeah,
5: thank you, Guru
0: Maharaj. Right, um, so. Do you, uh, you want to answer more questions or do you want to end here?
1: We've got things to do here, so.
0: Okay. It's nice for, to see a little bit of a Daria through the back in your window.
1: <laughs> I'm sitting on my bed. That's where I sleep here. Yeah.
0: Sweet.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful here. Very beautiful. And thank you. Uh, Radna sent me a uh, air filter. The smoke is working very well. You can hardly <laughs> hear it. It's doing a, doing a good job. So, Thank all of you and hope to be with you next week. Hare Krishna.
0: All right, Bo. Thank you, everyone. Thank, Thank you, save. Thank you. Thank you Hare Krishna.